I've covered plus size representation. I've talked about mental health representation. Now I want to discuss disability rep in fiction. Hello and welcome to Talk Bookish to Me, the podcast where readers gather to talk about books, share recommendations, and chase that five-star feeling. I'm your host, Gwen, and today I'm going to go over why disability representation in fiction is so important, how to recognize if it's good representation, and offer some book recommendations. Let me start with what I'm currently reading. I actually just wrapped up reading a historical fiction novel by Emma Donahue called Haven. This released last year in 2022. Very interesting read. I think I'm going to move on to The Fine Print by Lauren Asher. In this one, Rowan is determined to renovate Dreamland, their family theme park, and fulfill his grandfather's last wish while also getting his inheritance. But when he comes across the beautiful and talented Zara Zahara and she awakens inside him a side that has long stayed dormant things get spicy and I'm ready for it so let me know if you have read that book and what you thought by going to my Instagram page. You can either DM me, you can leave a comment on today's Instagram post. Just let me know what you think about that series. But now let's jump into today's topic. Representation matters in all areas of life, especially for kids and young adults. It can be frustrating when surrounded by able-bodied people to never see people who look or function like you do. Even though this isn't the case for all people, being able to see or read about individuals who are living their lives with their conditions and disabilities provides a new level of validation. While we still have a long way to go towards disability representation in the media and fiction, every bit of well-done representation matters. Let's be honest. We're influenced by what we see and read, so it's important that the books you're reading include as many disabilities and conditions as possible, including physical disabilities like visible and invisible, neurodivergence and mental health, and sensory disabilities. The more we read about characters with disabilities, the more we can learn, the more we can grow and transform not only in how we feel about disabilities, but care about how people with disabilities are seen and treated. Right now, diversity, equality, and inclusion, or DEI, conversations are at an all-time high. From classrooms to corporate jobs across the U.S., conversations about anti-racist or how to properly use gender pronouns are happening. But what about disability representation? According to the Center for Scholars and Storytellers, quote, in the U.S. today, one in four people... 26% have a disability and yet only 3.1% of characters on screen are disabled. In children's television, representation is even worse, less than 1%. End quote. They went on to say, quote, as children, we observe the world around us in order to make meaning out of our own lives, identities, and experiences. When we see people we can relate to and look up to, it helps us create a sense of self. However, when we don't see anyone similar around us that we can relate to, we turn to movies and television to fill that role. 
when we see positive portrayals of characters we connect with, it can positively impact our mental health, end quote. Check the show notes for a link to this source. And I am also going to have a link to more books with disability representation. Um, so you can find more than I'm even recommending you today. I've covered why it's important, but now let's move on to how to tell if what you're seeing or reading is quote unquote good representation. I'll always think back on what Haley said when we discussed mental health rep in fiction. She said, outside of doing research, the best way to figure out if representation is positive to look inwards and see if you feel empathy. If you can feel aligned with a character that is facing a certain challenge, the author has done their job. People with disabilities should never be demonized or made to be the villain based on their disability, meaning that you can have an antagonist that's in a wheelchair, but they're not the antagonist because they're in the wheelchair. So hopefully you understand a little bit about why it's important and how to spot good versus not good representation. But again, if you're unsure, definitely reach out to people or look for reviews that have, you know, own voices, reviewers reading those books and listen to their thoughts. So now let's move on to some book recommendations, starting with some comics and graphic novels, because you guys know I love those. So I always try to squeeze them in where I can. The first one is Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker. And the representation included in this one is that one of the main characters is actually deaf. Nova knows more about magic than your average teen witch. She works at her grandmother's bookshop where she helps them loan out spell books and investigate any supernatural occurrences in their New England town. One fateful night, she follows reports of a white wolf into the woods and she comes across the unexpected, her childhood crush Tam battling a horse demon in the woods. As a werewolf, Tam has been wandering from place to place for years, unable to call any town home. Pursued by dark forces, eager to claim the magic of wolves and out of options, Tam turns to Nova for help. Their latent feelings are rekindled against the backdrop of witchcraft, untested magic, occult rituals, and family ties both new and old in this enchanting tale of self-discovery. Again, that was Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker. The next one is Oracle Code by Marique Nykamp. The main character in this story uses a wheelchair after a gunshot leaves her paralyzed Barbara enters the Arkham Center for Independence, where Gotham's teens undergo physical and mental rehabilitation. Now using a wheelchair, Barbara must adapt to a new normal, but she cannot shake the feeling that something is dangerously amiss. Within these walls, strange sounds escape at night. Patients go missing, and Barbara begins to put together pieces of what she believes to be a larger puzzle. But is this suspicious simply a result of her trauma? Fellow patients try to connect with Barbara, but she pushes them away, and she'd rather spend time with ghost stories than participate in her daily exercises. Even Barbara's own judgment is in question. In the Oracle Code, universal truths cannot be escaped, and Barbara must battle the phantoms of her past before they swim 
transform her future. Again, that was The Oracle Code by Marique Nijkamp. And again, like all of my episodes, I will be writing all of the books in the notes of today's show, just in case I mispronounce an author's name wrong, or you happen to have missed a recommendation and you didn't hear what I said, all of the books will be listed in the show notes. Next up is The Tea Dragon Society by Katie O'Neill, another character using a wheelchair, a beloved and charming all ages book that follows the story of Greta, a blacksmith apprentice, and the people she meets as she becomes entwined in the enchanting world of tea dragons. And let me just say, the tea dragons are so freaking adorable. After discovering a lost tea dragon in the market, Greta learns about the dying art form of tea dragon caretaking from the kind tea shop owners, and she befriends them with their shy ward, Minette. Greta sees how the craft enriches their lives and eventually her own. Um, I have one poetry collection I have, and I know it is on voices, um, and that is The Girl Aquarium by Jen Campbell, and the representation is disability, like in general, and disfigurement. The Girl Aquarium explores the realm of rotten fairy tales, the possession of body, and the definition of beauty. Weaving between whispered science and circus, these poems turn a cracked mirror on society and ask who gets to control the twisted tales hiding in the wings. Again, that was The Girl Aquarium by Jen Campbell. I'll recommend a few YA books, then we'll move on to some adult fiction. So the few YA books I wanted to recommend, there are a lot of YA books that have disability representation but these are some of the highlights for me. Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, both by Leigh Bardugo. So it's two books. It is a duology. Six Outcast, High Stakes, One Mission, When the Crows of Ketterdam, a group of highly proficient thieves, heartbreakers, and spies led by notorious criminology prodigy Kaz Brecker are assigned the task of breaking into the world's most impenetrable fortress to steal a lucrative prize. What follows is chaos and adventure. If you enjoy YA books, fantasy YA books, highly recommend this duology. Next up is Eliza and Her Monsters by Francesca Zappia. 18-year-old Eliza Merck is the anonymous creator of the wildly popular webcomic Monstrous Sea. But when a new boy at school tempts her to live a life offline, everything she's worked for begins to crumble. Again, that was Eliza and Her Monsters by Francesca Zappia. Next up, I wanted to recommend The Upside of Unrequited by Becky Albertalli. This follows the story of Molly Peskin Suso, a crush-prone teenage girl anxious for her first kiss, who must navigate with her twin sister Cassie's first time falling in love and the distance it's creating in their sisterly relationship. That was The Upside of Unrequited by Becky Albertalli. Then we have Under the Rose Tainted Skies by Louise Gornall. I read this one quite a while ago, but I really enjoyed it. And the cover of this one is stunning. In Under the Rose Tainted Sky, Nora, a teen who battles OCD, agoraphobia, a fear of going outside, and anxiety. She's been housebound for four years after experiencing a severe anxiety attack at school. Pardon the interruption, but I have to tell you about Aardvark Book Club. 
They're the newest book box subscription on the market and you have to check them out. They offer a curated selection of four to five books each month and you have the power to shop from your couch by adding one of these amazing titles to your cart for $17.99 a month in the US and $25.99 a month if you live in Canada. Right now, if you use my code TALKBOOKISH, that's T-A-L-K-B-O-O-K-I-S-H, you can get your first book for only $4 plus free shipping. So what are you waiting for? Oh, you're still here? Let me share their March selections with you. First up, they have Sync, a memoir by Joseph Earl Thomas. Sync is a debut novel that follows Thomas's coming of age towards an understanding of what it means to lose the desire to fit in with his immediate peers, turbulent family, or the world, and how good it feels to build community, love, and salvation on your own terms. It showcases the difficulty of growing up in a hazardous home and the glory of finding salvation in geek culture. Up next, they have The Magician's Daughter by H.G. Perry. Set in 1912, it's the story of Biddy, a 16-year-old girl who has grown up on a mythical island just off the coast of Ireland. Raised by her magician guardian, Rowan, and his familiar, Hutchincroft, Biddy longs to leave the island and venture to the mainland, no matter that Rowan has strictly forbidden it. They also have 48 Clues into the Disappearance of My Sister by Joyce Carol Oates. Marguerite, a beautiful woman, has disappeared from her small town in upstate New York. But is foul play involved or did she merely take an opportunity to get away for fun or finally make the decision to leave behind her claustrophobic life of limited opportunities? Her sister must tally up the clues to discover her fate. They also had Big Swiss by Jen Began. And this is a brilliantly original and funny novel about a sex therapist's transcriptionist who falls in love with a client while listening to her sessions. When they accidentally meet in real life, an explosive affair ensues. It's bold, outlandish, and filled with irresistible characters. Big Swiss is both a love story and also a deft examination of infidelity, mental health, sexual stereotypes, and more. And finally, they offered For Her Consideration by Amy Spaulding, a sweet plus-sized sapphic Hollywood rom-com that explores heartbreak, learning how to love yourself and live authentically, and how to accept love from others, both romantic and platonic and familia. Again, don't forget, you can choose your first book for only $4 plus free shipping using the code TALKBOOKISH. Discover the best new releases from the comfort of your couch or bed by checking the show notes for a link to Aardvark Book Club. You can also find them on Instagram and TikTok at Aardvark Book Club. That's at A-A-R-D-V-A-R-K-B-O-O-K-C-L-U-B. 
Next up is Don't Touch by Rachel M. Wilson. Don't Touch is a YA contemporary novel that is based around the life of the main character, Caddy. Caddy is a very emotional young girl, and when she discovers that her parents are getting divorced, she basically has a mental breakdown. The only way she can find to cope with the issue is to not touch anyone. So those were my YA recommendations. And now let's move on to some adult recommendations, starting with All's Well by Mona Awad. The representation is chronic pain for this when the main character has chronic pain. So Miranda's life is a waking nightmare. The accident that ended her burgeoning acting career left her with excruciating chronic back pain, a failed marriage, and a deepening dependence on painkillers. And now she's on the verge of losing her job as a college theater director. Determined to put on Shakespeare's All's Well that ends well, the play that promised and cost her everything, she faces a mutinous cast hell-bent on staging Macbeth instead. That's when she meets three strange benefactors who have an eerie knowledge of Miranda's past and a tantalizing promise for her future, one where the show goes on. Her rebellious students get what's coming to them, and the invisible, doubted pain that's kept her from the spotlight is made known. Again, that was All's Well by Mona Awad. Next up is Get a Life by Chloe Brown. I'm sure you've heard of this book. It's super popular, but there is disability representation in here, including fibromyalgia and chronic illness. Chloe is a chronically ill computer geek with a goal, a plan, and a list. After almost dying, she's come up with seven directives to help her get a life, including a drunken night out, riding a motorcycle, and doing something bad. But it's not so easy being bad. What Chloe needs is a teacher, and she knows just the man for the job. Red is a handyman with tattoos, a motorcycle, and more sex appeal than 10,000 Hollywood heartthrobs. But when she enlists Red in her mission to rebel, she learns things about him that no spy session could teach her, like why he clearly resents Chloe's wealthy background and why he never shows his art to anyone and what really lies beneath his rough exterior. Another super popular one that is my absolute fave, and actually all of Helen Wong's books are amazing, but I'm going to talk to you about The Bride Test. This has autism representation in it. Kai has no feelings. Well, he feels irritation when people move his things or contentment when ledgers balance down to the penny, but not big, important emotions like grief and love. He thinks he's defective. His family knows better that his autism means he just processes emotions differently. When he steadfastly avoids relationship, his mother takes matters into her own hands and returns to Vietnam to find him the perfect bride. Next up is a classic, and I'm going to go with Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Migrant farm workers George and Lenny, two very different men, cling to their idea of the American dream. Although Lenny serves largely as a metaphor for the death of innocence in a hardened Depression-era 
America, he also sheds light on the way that learning disabilities can be exploited unless it is nurtured and feared because it is different. Um, I also wanted to mention a series that I have on my TBR that I'm hoping to get to this year. It's the Bergman Brothers book series by Chloe Lisi. I know that several of the books feature characters with disabilities. The novels are standalone contemporary romances about a Swedish American family of five brothers, two sisters, and their wild adventures as they find their own happily ever afters. Set on the sunny west coast, these slow burn romances are supposed to pack a punch. I have not read these, but I have heard from my sources that these are a must read. So I'm just going to go in order from the first book to the last book. So we have Only When It's Us. That's a frenemies to lovers book. We have Always Only You, which is a grump in sunshine. Ever After Always, which is a marriage in crisis. And then we have With You Forever, which is a marriage of convenience. And then Everything For You, which is an enemies to lovers. And then If Only You is expected to release this year. And I believe the last book in this series, Only and Forever, by Chloe Lisi will come out in 2024. Of course, don't quote me, that's a year out. Who knows? Things are meant to happen. I have the first four books in the series on my TBR. So like I said, it would be great to be able to read those this year. All right, listeners, that wraps up this episode on disability rep in fiction. I hope I was able to once again shed some light on why representation in its many forms is so important. Huge thank you to Kayla Smith for her valued insight and help with today's topic. I will be sharing some of her recommendations over on Instagram. So make sure you're following along so you don't miss those. Subscribe to Talk Bookish to Me and stick around because I have amazing guests and great topics lined up this year. The very next episode will be on March 27th with my friend Lena from Lena's Bookshelf. We will be reading and discussing in-depth thoughts on the book Haven by Emma Donahue, which I actually just finished reading today. So look forward to my full thoughts very soon. Also be sure to tag at Talk Bookish Podcast and at Lavender Mud in your listening selfies and stories on Instagram. I love seeing you guys listen to the podcast and I love reposting those. If you'd like to be on the show, fill out the guest interest forum linked on Instagram. I have already started scouting guests for next year. Talk Bookish to Me is a bi-weekly podcast bringing you book discussions, recommendations, and literary topics galore. Rate and review the podcast on Apple and Spotify. The link to join my Patreon is in the show notes as well. Until next time, happy reading. Bye.